This podcast is hosted by R Double P. The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about babies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him, squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent me here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Welcome back, everyone, to I Think My Fridge is Haunted. <laughs> Season 5, episode 11. My God, it's been a while. I'm really sorry. I've had a few personal things going on, some health issues, and I haven't been able to work on the podcast. But today I am back with a very special guest. Today we have Jaden Byrne, photographer, podcaster, everything. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I am really honoured and I'm so excited. I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, you're here with your vampy show t-shirt on, which we yeah, love. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, it was funny because we were talking before, like um, just as we were um, recording this the day before, I was actually interviewing vampy yesterday, <laughs> which so is cool. kind of an absolutely lovely person. Um, and really is that for cool. your podcast? Yes, uh, for The Creators Process. Okay, where can people find that? Uh, so you can just look up uh, The Creators Process. So uh, just uh, obviously three words um, on YouTube and yeah, and is it on like Apple and Spotify or anything like that? Uh, just on YouTube. Just on YouTube. But, okay, awesome. But I have been um, approached asking if I'm going to put it on Spotify and it's definitely something that I am looking into for cool. future episodes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, so it, it's it been like two years now. So I started um, as a – it was kind of like I guess you could say my COVID project. So before um, all this sort of thing was going on, I uh, – was doing uh, Instagram lives during the first lockdown. And then um, after this, I was like, okay, you know, this is a lot of people are really enjoying this and it's a really cool way to talk to other creatives and all that sort of thing. And then talking to other people saying, have you thought of, you know, doing this as a channel? And I'm like, I, I didn't really think of doing it. Cause I was just like, uh, you know, it was just an idea, like just something I was doing for fun. And then suddenly I was like, yeah, actually, you know what? It's a really good way to have conversation and help people and support artists during this time as well because, you know, during uh, obviously all the lockdowns and all that, the art community just took a massive hit and it was just like... Huge. It, yeah, it was massive. Mm. And um, so, yeah, and then I um, tossed around names and all that sort of thing. Originally, I was going to call it the creative process, but I was talking to a friend of mine and we both were like, well, it kind of makes it sound like there's only one creative process when mm-hmm. it's like, but no, like as um, creators, we all have a different process. So then I, but then I love the flow of that. So then I was like, I changed creative to creators and I'm like, yep, that's, that's it. And then during the first and, you know, when we had that one month off between the first and second lockdown, that was mm-hmm. really interesting. I filmed 11 episodes during that time just, you know, to test the waters and all that. Um, we went back to lockdown. I edited the videos and I was like, okay, I'm just going to throw one video out every now and then. And the videos blew up and just everyone was messaging me about it. I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> people are really liking this and uh, came out of lockdown, started filming again. And yeah, just two years later, I'm still going. Uh, I'm, I think... I'm about to uh, record 167th episode. Wow. After two years. That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I could not believe it myself. I think, you know, I, yeah, I kind of just went in thinking, oh, I'm only going to do a few episodes every now and then. And mm. now I'm just like, I kind of am one of those people who goes all in. I just want to, you know, if I am passionate about an idea, I just, you know, I feel like with just anything you create, you have to, you know, go all in or yep. just not do it. Yeah, consistency. Exactly. And um, so something you- I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and um, as uh, I guess, you know, finding your amazing podcast, it was through obviously Esther, who's one of the co hosts of this incredible show. I started listening and yeah, absolutely loved it. I, I absolutely love the show. I. 
I'm pretty sure I like literally before obviously today recording I wanted to make sure I was up to date with everything and yeah so I'm just you've yeah. listened to almost every episode yeah haven't you? A- absolutely <laughs> I'm all up to date so just waiting on the next episodes and yeah so we've done so many stories now like sometimes we're like have we done this one which one, which one is that one like there, there's so many stories but uh yeah there's there's many more to come as well Absolutely, and I'm really keen to hear some more, and you know, I'm excited to hear today's story, and yeah. Cool. Well, shall we jump into it? Yes, let's jump into it. Uh, Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. Yes. Uh, Would you like to go first? I'll go first. So, as you know, I usually do a kind of a fact that sort of uh, aligns with my story. Yes. Yeah. So, today my fact is about uh, the de- the famous daredevil, Evil Knievel. Ooh, okay. So, bit of a weird guy when I was looking him up. I, and I, this is a bunch of stuff. I, I said to my husband um, this morning, apparently Evil Knievel was like a major wanker. He's like, yeah, everyone knows that. I didn't know that. Um, (laughs) Evil Knievel claimed to have twice kidnapped his then-girlfriend, Linda Bork, during their courtship. And on the second time he he kidnapped her, he actually married her. This is like back in the 60s. Their relationship was dogged with allegations of infidelity and he personally estimated to have slept with over 2,000 women, with his record allegedly being eight in one 24-hour period. And oddly enough... They were married for almost 40 years. Wow. Jeez. That's I, a lot to unpack. I just think to myself with um, saying like with having, as you said, over 2,000 women, it's like what kind of, excuse me, what kind of douchebag keeps track of that sort of thing? It's like, you know, I've actually met people who goes, oh, yeah, I've slept with like over this many people. And I'm like, why are you keeping track? It's like, it's just, you know, it's like... It, Like a mark of honour. Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) I'm going to wear this as a badge saying I've slept with this many people. And married for 40 years. Well done. Good job. What an achievement. (laughs) And um, so I've got a couple of facts. So I'll quickly, you know, which, because I was trying to decide out of these two. And like, I think for both of them, I just was like, you know, I had to say both of these because they're pretty funny. Um, So for most power outages in the US is caused by squirrels. Oh, (laughs) I would believe that though. Yes. They're very naughty. I know. It's like, and apparently like I'm just reading right here on this uh, website. I'll see if I, okay, I don't have the website. I'm so sorry. Uh, And it says that the peak times of the year of the squirrel attacks are from May to June and October to November. And I'm just like, I just thought to myself going, are they like all planning together going, all right, we're going to. So it's like spring and autumn. It's like, just imagine them coming together going, all right, so we're going to attack now. Yeah, this squirrel (laughs) attacks. Like, you know, they're like (laughs) (laughs) Al-Qaeda. And it's like, um, (laughs) that's great. And um, So is it because they get into people's roofs or is it just they just go and bite the telephone lines? I, I think apparently because, you know, they just like to, ignore the telephone Chew stuff lines. and steal stuff you know and yeah just everything it's like okay i'm gonna claim this oh okay there was just a big electric shot <laughs> and just i totally fight. believe <laughs> it i totally believe it yeah oh, gosh and so for the second one that i was gonna say was um so apparently in the u okay so what was it the uk and wales the queen actually owns all of the swans yeah she does. In, which is so weird. You can't eat a swan. I think you can yeah. have permission, mm. but it's actually the swans and the sturgeons. Yeah. Which is a giant fish that looks like a dinosaur. It's so it, it just it's so interesting. And apparently um, it says every year during the third week of July, all the swans in the river Thames, I think. Thames. Thames, Thames thank you. Uh, <laughs> counted for the queen in the practice called swan upping. So just to make so, sure that they're yeah, all there. Yeah, it's like, all right, so we've got over a thousand swans. I think we're ten short, so who has stolen our swans? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone's in trouble now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so I just uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean you never really hear I mean it yeah, you never hear about oh we're having swan for dinner. Yeah, oh gosh. I I don't know if I would want to be invited to that dinner party. <laughs> But even in Australia, like, would that rule hold up here too? Because she's ah. the queen of Australia as well. 
That's a... I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's like one of those old school things are like, you know, back in you know, 400 years ago, purple was like a royal colour. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was kind of a faux pas to wear purple but mm. if you, unless you were a royal. That's um, true. Yeah. It's, it's one of those types of things. But, you know, England's got loads of weird rules uh, that yeah. go back to medieval times and stuff. But yeah, I feel like sometimes in our world we come across a, all these really weird rules anyway. <laughs> that people are still following them and just like... Well, don't uh, forget, yeah, in yeah. Oregon, it's illegal to shoot Bigfoot. I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Leave Bigfoot alone. <laughs> that was one of our ones from a few weeks ago. We did that one. I, I do remember that one. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm like, yeah, that was... <laughs> Oregon, so much weird stuff comes out of Oregon. Uh, <laughs> just blowing up whales. Oh, yeah, no, that was interesting. I had never heard of that one, and then I'm just like... It's one of my favourite stories of life. Yeah, it's like they didn't really think that ahead, that going, oh, so we're going to explode this whale, and but then they didn't think of, like, what's going to come down when... When it goes up. It's like embers, like when you blow something up, you know... Embers are going to fall from the sky. Did you watch the TV, the video of it? I haven't yet. Watch I'll it tonight. It's yeah. so funny. Because <laughs> you can hear like bloop, 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 all the bits coming down. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it because I, I don't know why I didn't watch it. That's actually... Go on a- YouTube tonight. It, 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 it goes for like eight minutes or something like that yeah. because it's all like the lead up to... Um, you know, the whale was found here, they're going to blow it up, and he's interviewing all people from the town and stuff, and then they do it, and, like, it flattened a car. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I wonder if that guy had whale insurance for... uh, Highly doubtable. (laughs) Because, I mean, to be honest, imagine trying to say that story to someone going, so how did you lose your car? Uh, Um... Act of God. (laughs) uh, 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 Nature strikes back. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I always love hearing these really interesting facts because sometimes you just don't think about it. Like, Mm. you know, you think... And also, how do people figure this out? (laughs) I know exactly where it comes from. People in their garage, on a beanbag, with a bong. (laughs) (laughs) Think, let's do this tomorrow. Dude, that's going to be rad. I can see of nothing that's going to go wrong with this plan. (laughs) There's no plan B. (laughs) That's because plan B is foolproof. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Shall we get on with my story? It's a bit of a short one today because I've wanted to do this story for a while, but there's sort of an infuriating lack of information. So, But I'll tell you about it because it is – I think it's an important story and it is interesting and it's one of those things where um, we look back on history and think, we were dumb in the 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> so today my uh, sources were Wikipedia, Liquid Search, 20th Century Files, My London News, Nostalgia, Central, Wales Online, The Mirror and the Everything 80s podcast. Wow. So okay. strap yourself in, so to speak. Because this is a wild story. So, The Late Late Breakfast Show was a BBC TV show that was broadcast live on Saturday nights from 4th of September 1982 until 8th of November 1986. The presenter was a guy called Noel Edmonds, who is a pretty famous TV and radio host over in the UK. And his career goes way back to the 70s. He's kind of like, you know, like a Daryl Summers here, like Molly Meldrum, like all those kind of like TV hosts. Okay, yeah. And so Noel Edmonds, his career goes way back to the 70s. I'll just give you a bit of a background on the kind of stuff that he's done so that you can get a scale of sort of – sort of where he was in the UK entertainment sphere. (laughs) So his first – became known as a DJ on Radio Luxembourg and later he moved over to work on BBC Radio 1 in the UK, which is a really big deal. Yeah, like BBC wow, 1 is like, I don't know, Fox FM here, I guess. Yeah. That's probably the closest thing. Kind of like, yeah. Then he he also hosted Top of the Pops between 1972 and oh. 1978, which is like, you know how we had Countdown? Yeah, yeah. Which is like, it was like, what, Sunday night or a Saturday night? Okay, open it. open this you're that person in the cinema (laughs) (laughs) waiting for that 
Um, yeah, like a countdown sort of style, and like yeah. all the biggest artists of the time would have been on top of the pops. Like, yeah, on. I, I, yeah, I think I have heard of that one, but I yeah. So it's kind of like just the yeah, as you said, the countdown of like yeah. music, top music of so, uh, at that yeah. time, and they'd have a live audience, and they'd have music videos, oh. but they'd also have like the bands would come in and yeah. you know perform live or yeah. quotation marks live. Wow. He also hosted a Saturday morning kids show called The Swap Shop. And then he did Top Gear, the old version of Top Gear in nine, um, until 1980. And then he did this show, The Late Late Breakfast Show. Um, and he also did a stack of other st- – he did no, Deal or No Deal. You know, he was oh, the host yeah, of yeah, Deal yeah. or No Deal. He also did I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in 2018. Wow. Fun fact. He also represented UK in Eurovision – uh, in 1980, in The Hague, with, <laughs> with his pop group Brown Sauce, <laughs> which I'm sure sounded like a great name at the time. Um, oh, dearie me. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, but gosh, what a... Apart from the <laughs> that last one, I'm like, that's a, a hell of a resume. Like, the, he's... He's been around, done quite a lot. Oh, like, stats. And you know amazing. what? He was also part of Live Aid. You know, the big concert, yeah. Live Aid. Wow. So his thing was that he would, um, they did kind of like a behind the scenes thing and he was kind of the person that was the, oh, what's the word? Like he would accompany the really big stars yeah. going to him from the airport because with Live Aid like they would have the London show and then they'd have like Mm -hmm. the New York show and then they'd have like the you know the South Africa show and and, like they would have to fly from show to show and show and then they'd be basically going straight on stage wow so he was the guy that was like accompanying the big artists so he would pick up like Phil Collins in the helicopter and take him to meet the Concorde at Bristol Airport or wherever, and then take the Concorde and then get straight on stage in America. Crazy times. Wow. So he was pretty much, he de- he definitely wasn't a nobody. Like, people knew of this guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah He yeah. seemed like he was quite well known in the area of, like, music and ent- entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So going back to this show that he was hosting back in the early 80s, it's called The Late Late Breakfast Show, and it was apparently what was known as a magazine program. And I think it's because... Like, there was a lot of little segments in it, like, just a lot of little entertainment sort of segments. Like, hey, hey, it's Saturday back in the day. You know, like, they would have live artists and they'd have little, like, games and, Mm. um, you know, they would have hidden camera sort of, like, gag jokes and stuff like that. Um, And they also had a bunch of really, really big people on the show, like Dolly Parton, Fleetwood Mac, Paul McCartney, Donna Summer, Tina Turner, ABBA was on it. Anyway, wow. so it was a pretty cool, like, Saturday night variety show. Wow, that's wow, that's impressive. Well, you would think that a show that had such big names would have its shit together, right? Like, you'd backstage. Think, you'd think that the, ex- yeah. the executives would know what they're doing and that sort of thing. Y- yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> so they had this segment that involved members of the general public, and it was called Give It a Whirl where they would invite members of the public to participate in a stunt. Okay. And they had a wheel, like, you know, a wheel of fortune. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the wheel would choose the stunt and also the member of the public that was going to do the stunt. Okay. Now, um, there's a YouTube channel called Fascinating Horror that claims that it was rigged. I don't know, with, like, magnets or something like that. So they knew exactly which stunt was going to gonna go to which person. Oh, okay. And yeah. that person had already been briefed about mm-hmm. what they were going to be doing. But okay. if you were a viewer, it looked like it was very kind of, you know, very chosen. Legit, yeah. um, what's the word? Um, so randomly. Very random. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when the stunt was chosen, the person that had applied to go on the segment mm-hmm. would go off for training and rehearsals for the following week, and then the stunt would be done on the next Saturday's show. Okay. So the gimmick was that the the show would feature um, 
quote, some of the most daring feats ever seen on British TV. Which is crazy because, like, they weren't using stunt people. They were using just members of the public. And it's also, like, you said giving them a week. Like, a lot of these people, it's like uh, they train, like, all their life to do these stunts. They train years. Exactly. And sometimes even they stuff it up. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, so giving someone a week, I'm like, you're just asking for trouble just going yeah. like something to happen. Like it's just, yeah, wow, that's yeah. crazy. But people would apply like, <laughs> you know, because they think it was fun to, you Why know, not? let's, you know, mm. ride a motorcycle yeah. through the <laughs> ring of fire and, yeah. you know, things like that. It's like I haven't been to the hospital that many times, so I'm just going to, you know, I, I might take a visit there, you know, just in case, you know, like I, I might break my arm coming going off this ramp, you know. Don't go there that much. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I don't know. And also, like, just in the 80s, like, I guess people didn't sort of sue as much as now. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, like, did you step on my toe? Suing you. (laughs) (laughs) Then it was like... Oh, that's all right. She'll be right. I'll get over it. You know, it's not like that you... oh. You did break my toe. Oh, actually, you did break my toe. Oh, that's all good. It's all good. I'm going to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the stunts, and they did do the ring of fire thing. I don't know if they had to like run through the ring of fire or do a motorcycle or bike or whatever. Oh I don't know. They did actually do things. that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But one of them was where a person had to be picked up by helicopter from a roof um, before the chimney explodes or the chimney is like destroyed by a, a wrecking ball or something oh like gosh. that. Um, and there was another one where they had to, um, they like threw them out in the ocean or something like that and they had to <laughs> rescue them and put them in a boat or something like like crazy <laughs> stuff. Jeez. Yeah, so they're definitely not like, you know, like simple stunts where it's like. Oh, no, they're, yeah. they're potentially really dangerous stunts. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And. You know, in the name of Saturday Night Light Viewing. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it for the entertainment. Oh, purely. <laughs> so for this episode in November 1986, a man named Michael Lush, who was 25 or 24, depending on which article you read, you know how I am, mm. <laughs> uh, was chosen to do a stunt. And the stunt he is given is called Hang 'em High. Okay. Sounds great already. <laughs> yeah, it's like I already have too many questions for that. I know. And it, you're already saying don't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 just like that. Yeah. So Michael works as a, a hod carrier on construction sites, which means that he, he, he moves bricks um, mm. from parts of the site to the other side yeah. of the site. And he's from Southampton in the south of England or London, depending on which article you read. Mm-hmm. Um, and his girlfriend suggested that he apply for the Give It A Whirl segment because they, they thought it would be fun. Yeah. There's a very frustrating lack of information about Michael himself. I would have really okay. liked to tell you what kind of background he had. Yeah. Um, you know, things that he enjoyed to do and that kind of thing and, and a little bit more about him. Unfortunately, there's next to nothing about him. Oh, okay. But the plan for the stunt was for Michael to be handcuffed and chained up inside okay. a crate. And there's a photo of him and he's got chains around. It looks kind of like a straight jacket and he's mm-hmm. like handcuffed. I think this is just something that they did, like the, to do, like a photo of him. Of like they they chained him up, yeah, just to see sort of if he was comfortable with it, I guess, and mm-hmm. took a photo. But he was going to be chained up inside a crate that was to be suspended up on a crane, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to escape from the handcuffs and chains, get out of the crate, and then bungee jump out of the crate before the crate, of course, explodes. Wow. Because why would it not? So let's talk about the show's track record with this segment because there had been problems leading up to this stunt. Not surprised. <laughs> not surprised. People um, people thought the stunts were, were dangerous and people there were people that were worried. Yes. And the BBC was twice threatened with legal action because people had been hurt. Mm. On the 10th of September 1983, a stunt driver named Richard Smith attempted to do a 230-foot jump in a car that was going at 225 kilometres per hour. Gosh. The car flipped and crashed. 
and he sustained neck, head, and back injuries and a Ooh. fractured pelvis. Ouch. And that was all on live TV as well. Jeez. Oh, I don't Wow. Just wow. Yeah. You think you wouldn't air it. Like, you, you actually But that's sing. the thing about the Late Late yeah. Breakfast Show. It was live. That's the whole thing about it was <sighs> that it was live. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Also in 1983, a woman named Barbara Sleeman was fired from a cannon. Oh, gosh. That, that's already, you know, like. That's already a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she broke her shoulder. Shock horror. <laughs> You're getting fired from a cannon. Like, come on. And later she said, um, the BBC don't give a damn. They just want the viewers. So it's obvious it, that they didn't really care that she was hurt. Yeah. They didn't really offer her a lot of support, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess they probably had a pretty airtight sort of, um, mm. uh, what do you call it, like an NDA or a disclaimer form. Yeah. It's like, don't sue us if you hurt yourself. You yeah, if you hurt yourself, you're, you're getting shot out. You, this is to un- you have to say that you understand that you're yeah. getting shot out of a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Anything can happen. So clearly the BBC had not taken these near misses into serious consideration. <laughs> if... They had, the following tragedy would have been avoided. So on the first day of training, Michael Lush was hooked up to the structure hanging from the crane. Mm. And so this is rehearsals. By a rope and carabiner clips. So mm. similar to what you would have if you went to like a rock climbing centre. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah. They yeah, clip yeah, you okay. in and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So I guess that... Um, what they're going to do at this point, they don't want him to necessarily do the whole... Uh, escape from the chains and hunk- and and um, handcuffs yet. Mm-hmm. They just want to try the bungee jump before oh, they do anything else. Okay. So, but there is that picture of Michael that I was telling you about um, mm-hmm. where he's got the chains around him. So they had sort of, you know, tried the chains thing and I guess he was probably about to start training for getting out of that mm-hmm. on the ground. <laughs> so... There was an escapologist hired to act as Michael's trainer and his name was Paul Matthews. But Paul was only experienced in theatrical tricks. He oh. was not experienced in like daredevil yeah. stunts. Oh, no. Um, but David Kirk, who's a bungee jump specialist from something called the Dangerous Sports Club. Apparently they were established in the 70s and 80s and they were like huge forerunners for, mm. um, what do you call like daredevil stunts? Um, extreme sports. Yeah. Like they were really big kind of like, they sort of led the charge with the extreme mm. sports trend. <laughs> Let's start a club. <laughs> <laughs> but he later said that when, when he orchestrated a similar stunt to this, they had used three ropes, whereas the BBC was only using one rope. Okay. He also said that they used shackles, not carabiner clips, which in comparison is kind of basic. Mm. Like not it wasn't it wasn't gonna hold. Oh, no. Yep. Also, the BBC had been advised to use non-elasticated rope. However, they went ahead and used an elasticated rope anyway. A really scary thing about this situation is on the day of training, the BBC safety officer, a man called Andrew Smith, wasn't even there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, it, it doesn't say he wasn't there. He just wasn't at the scene or wasn't available when they did the stunt, which is ridiculous to me. It's like, why didn't they just wait? Like, why know, didn't they just wait? Yeah. Or why couldn't he just <laughs> just show up, shuffle, to work on time. shuffle around <laughs> his schedule, <laughs> right? So, uh, furthermore, please. this is so infuriating. Michael had not been given a demonstration from a trained stuntman. Not only that, mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't bother to hire one, but they didn't even know if this stunt was viable. So, like, no one had ever done this before. Oh my gosh! It, it, yeah, wow. <laughs> like, they didn't even get a stuntman to come in and say. Okay, um, yeah, we could do that. Mm. I'm going to try it. No, nothing. They just kind of thought, look, it, it, it's, it's mm. the garage yeah. with, with the bong and, and the beanbag yeah, yeah. all over again. This couldn't mm. possibly go wrong. Yeah, they, they were just writing on a piece of paper going, oh, yeah, I had this idea. Like, I'm going to draw it out for you. Do you think this will work? Yeah, okay, let's give it a try next Works week. Works in my head. 
let's go. Yeah, it's like, let's try it and see what happens. So um, Michael has full trust in the BBC, though, and he's excited to get started. He mm. wants to get onto rehearsing. Um, and But they did say, do you want one of our team to see if, you know, to, to, to go and do it first? And he's like, no, nah, we've, we've, okay. we've got to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Oh, gosh, okay. <sighs> there was no kind of safety net to break a fall oh, if something gosh, went wrong. Oh, come on. I also need to mention um, people usually got a week of training, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, a week of training, not even enough. Yeah. They started two days before the show was meant to air. Wait, so so they didn't like they were... They didn't do the week like they said that they would. They did two. Oh, they were going to no. do two days. That's even worse. That's even worse than an already bad situation. Hours. Yeah, it's like you got 48 hours to master this and then, you know, you're going to try it on live TV. But that's, go wrong? <laughs> I know. But that's why Michael wanted to get started yeah. because he was like, we've only got two days. We've got to do this. Like, you know, yeah. let's figure this out. The one question that I have is why did like a show like this get approved? Like I just think. I love how you only have one question. Yeah. Like, well, there's like, (laughs) there's multiple, but one of the major questions is like whoever approached, you know, like the, the um, people in the, in the suits and all that sort of thing going, all right. So I had this idea for a show that we train people for two days on extreme stunts and you know, and, but they have no training. We don't really have any reliability and all that. Do you think this will work? And they're like, go for it. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I think like- it was just like, because that Saturday night time slot that they mm. were going, it was such a popular time slot because a lot of people in the UK watch TV on mm. a Saturday night and they just wanted the ratings and they just didn't really, yeah. I think that they were happy to risk whatever yeah. was going to happen just, just to get to- that shock factor. Do it for the views. Exactly. Like that chick Barbara said. Oh, yeah. Oh, but there's more. Oh, great. I'm On ready. a side note as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Michael had just drunk two pints of beer with lunch before rehearsal. Oh. <laughs> Which. Good. Yeah, it's good, two, isn't it? Two things. <laughs> Let's have a drink before this. But to be honest, I bet he was probably nervous as well. But they're also starting in the flipping afternoon. <laughs> so it's a day and a half of rehearsal. It's, it just gets worse and worse. So it's like 12 hours are now gone. We've got 36 hours. Like, does no one have an alarm clock? <laughs> we didn't have the iPhone then. Just said. Oh, my God. Yeah, they didn't uh, have the iPhone calendar to, you know. <laughs> to go off. Figure their, their life out for them like mine does. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> this story just gets better and better. It really does. Okay, so I'm just – and I, on the beer thing, I don't know if there was like a health and safety kind of – or no health and safety warning from the team or they were just – you know, like if if that was to happen now, it'd be like strictly no alcohol. Yeah, on for any member of the crew. Yeah, but I guess back then it was. Mm. Well, you know, we don't have a safety net, and we've only mm. got one last decade of yeah. rope. Why not get wasted as well? Exactly. <laughs> not that two pints of beer is going to get you wasted, but oh, you know definitely. what I mean. You know, yeah. you need to be like sharp. It's like you know. Um, the acrobats at the circus, you know, when yeah. they're doing these stunts high up in the air, you know, they would probably not be drinking at all Absolutely because, not. you know, if they let go of someone, they, yeah, someone can get badly hurt, mm-hmm. you know, so they have to make sure they're always sh- staying sharp and all that. So, yep. yeah. Mm. So one of the worst things about this situation is that Michael had no way to talk to those on the ground because he oh. was suspended 120 feet in the air. Yeah. And oh. there was also no one up there with him as well. Oh, so they basically put him in the crate, lifted him up on the on the crane, and then he's just up there. If there was a problem, there was nothing he could do about yeah. it. And apparently there was a problem because at the moment that he was signalled to jump, he actually waited two whole minutes. Oh. So I think there probably was some trepidation there. There was probably an issue. Mm. He probably was having second thoughts. Yeah, that, yeah. Because he went from being really excited to being, you know, having reservations. Mm, Like having, being 120 feet in the air, you said? 
and just like looking down going, oh There's gosh, no I am, yeah, I am really second guessing what's going on right mm-hmm. now. Rightly yeah. so. So, yeah. Mm. And, and I do wish that he had just waved his arms like in a cross and went, no. No. Nah, I'm done. Just lower me down. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Yep. So finally he jumps. Okay. The single carabiner clip is stretched to its limit and breaks open. Michael falls to the ground 120 feet from the crane and he dies instantly of multiple oh, injuries. Jeez. <sighs> there wasn't even a first aid team or ambulance on oh. site in case anything went wrong. It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Oh, no. Just, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I can understand why you're so furious because I'm just like, why did you? It not- just it just gets worse and worse. Like, it, yeah. it just gets it's one thing after another. So it turned uh, out that the clip that was used was not strong enough to carry the weight of a full grown man. In fact, <laughs> Graham Games of the Health and Safety Executive, which is a health and safety um, organization, mm-hmm. stated that the clip could have been opened by the weight of a bag of sugar. And in a demonstration test, the clip came loose loose 14 times out of 20. And it didn't occur to anyone to test this. So it's way too weak to be used. Yeah. Yeah. No. So in the immediate aftermath, that Saturday after an episode of Doctor Who had been broadcast and at the time that the Late Late Breakfast show was supposed to air, Mm. the BBC made the following announcement. This is BBC One. Because of the tragic accident of Michael Lush whilst preparing for tonight's edition of the Late Late Breakfast Show, the BBC has decided to cancel this and further editions of the program. Um, so they played a movie instead. Yeah. Host Noel Edmonds said that he had resigned, not having the heart to carry on. He also said, I don't want to talk about it. It's all too upsetting. Mm. And the show never was aired ever again. You would hope so. Yeah. An inquest into the tragedy recorded a verdict of misadventure and the coroner recommended that no such stunts should be attempted in future without a safety professional. Good idea. Good idea. Great idea. (laughs) Very good idea. That should have been done before, but, you know. However, the BBC stated it would not be airing any future programs that expose members of the public to risk. Good. BBC Director General Alastair Milne was also sacked by the Board of uh, Governors as well. So, yeah. like you were saying before, which of those suits at the higher levels yeah. okayed this? Exactly. And no, uh, that's uh, that that is definitely a good call because you know if they if he was one of the people who were like okay yeah then let's go through with the show. Or even he if should. he didn't say yes, he didn't say no. Exactly. You know, he so, didn't put a stop to it. And yeah, so no, I think that was a fair call to do that. Mm. Like. In court, Morris Pallister, representing the health and safety executive, said that the stunt would not have been rehearsed uh, by a professional without an airbag in case of falls, and mm. that stunt experts had told him that a performance like this should have been weeks in the making, like you said, yeah. in a professional a- arena, not just a few mm. days. Just even months. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And... You know, I would like to think that someone would be sitting down with a calculator and a piece of paper and doing some maths. Exactly. You know, some yeah. maths about physics and weight and mm. um, just yeah. trying to figure out if it would work. Not exactly. just, you know, it's not a paper aeroplane that you can just throw and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it takes time. It takes the... Just trying to figure out, the, as you said, the physics of going, all right, if this happens, I need to make sure that I have this um, strong cable that is going to hold up this amount of weight and, you know, it's not going to break. And then also actually, actually fully tested to see if it's going to come undone and, you know, yeah, go yeah. all out. Like something like that, you can't just, as you said, put together within 48 hours and go, oh, yeah, this is going to work. Yeah. But it, 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 apparently the show's producer had just had a phone meeting to discuss the stunt with a safety officer. Um, and then that safety officer wasn't on site at, at the time of the rehearsal anyway. So yeah. they just had kind of a phone call say, this is our idea. Cool. Set it up. Wow. So the BBC was prosecuted by the Health and Safety Executive for breaches of the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974 and was fined the maximum amount of £2,000 
plus mm. costs. Uh, so, yeah, not much. What? The BBC um, did, however, make a, a payment of around £120,000 to Michael Lush's family. Okay, that's better. So no one went to jail or anything like that. They just kind of got yeah. this health and safety fine. Which is not, like, compared to a lot of other cases where people have to pay a lot of money for a mm. lot of things, that's not a lot. Like, and back in the day, the £120,000, apparently um, it's around f- uh, American money. It was I, I heard it was about £400,000. Mm. Yeah, like... So, I don't know. Okay. It's odd to me that no one went to prison. No, that, that's, that's the other thing is, like, you know, even the... The one that got fired, I'm like, I'm surprised that like there weren't like, because I would like even the person who suggested this, even the health officer, no one like, mm. it's like there's no accountability. Yeah, they were just kind of like they pretty much got like a pat on the shoulder and went, okay, just don't do it again. You know, like when it's like it, if a child does something wrong, and it's like just make sure you don't do this again. They pretty much just did that attitude of going like, oh no, okay, well. we'll you're fine, you know what well, I mean? Well, they just, just basically like, said, this is very dangerous, don't do it again. Yeah. And that's kind and of it. Like, but, yeah, now that is actually very surprising that no one actually got arrested, went to prison or anything like that for that because, mm. you know, someone died. You think it. someone would have? Yeah. After the inquest, Noel Edmonds, the host, said, if I was to continue my career at the BBC, I would want to be fully confident about any production team I was provided with. Mm. Um... And uh, I'm sorry that there's not more information about this case, but that is that is the the death of Michael Lush. Wow, jeez, uh, um, yeah, that is a wow. That's it's that's a heavy a sh- case. Yeah, it's just yeah. No, as uh, we were saying before, it definitely leaves a lot of questions of going like what what were they thinking? What were they doing? It's like, and just like the amount of like I said, the one thing is just the training. Like why they let thought it was a good idea to put people in like obviously it's different when like talk shows and all that invite audience or to do the most simplest of tasks you know like just something basic and also something not life threatening mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. it, it, it's like yeah geez it's just yeah it defies logic yeah it was only a matter of time before something really bad happened exactly and. It, I'm surprised that they didn't take the hint from the first couple of injuries. That's the one thing that I'm like is why didn't they mm-hmm. just go, okay, people are Let's obviously – Let's wrap this up. Yeah. People are obviously getting injured. What if someone – like what if, what if someone dies eventually? And, you know, someone did yeah. at the end. They lost their life because – Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, at that point, you know, it's time to just uh, – introduce a segment where someone gets hit in the face with a pie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like something, let's just do something where it, yeah, just, it's, it's just a funny gag. Exactly. Just like sneak up behind like one of the um, producers or camera people and go, all right, just ready. Yeah. <laughs> they're working. Or do they're run, just, a, run a gauntlet of people throwing pies at them or something. You know, oh that's, that's not up on a crane <laughs> or in the ocean or on a oh. roof or involving fire. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, the ocean one scares me because for me, I have a bit of a fear of like deep water. Like when yeah. you see water that is just like just dark water and yeah. all that sort of thing, it just, it scares me because Toast. it's like, you just kind of go, what is down there? <laughs> it's like, is, is the legendary Megalodon still down there <laughs> or something like that? Because we don't know, but it's like, and so mm. for me, that scares me. And also like, especially with the ocean, you know, like what if, someone gets attacked by a sea animal or something like that, they can't do anything about it. Increment weather. What if it, you know, what if there's a rip? Oh yeah. There's so many problems. Exactly. It's just, you can't predict nature as well. Mm. Like, you know, that sort of stuff. So that, no, it's just, it's just crazy. It just, that something like this actually happened. Mm. Like a show like this was allowed to be aired Mm. because it just has a lot of, flaws a lot of problems that you just kind of were like that they didn't really think about Mm. Mm. (laughs) shall we move on to uh some of your stories oh okay um so yeah i guess you know a, a so with me, I am like I do have like a personal um, interest in the paranormal and all that sort of thing, 
But then it's really weird because I can be a very hard uh, skeptic. So it's the best way to be. Yeah. Like, cause like I've listened to, you know, there's been cases where I've looked, uh, I've read about, or I've listened to, and I've been like, no, nah, I'm not, I, I'm not sure about that one where it's like, you know, uh, when you hear the cases of like people who say, Oh, my um, camera just caught something and all that sort of thing. And it's like, well, where's the footage? And then they say, Oh yeah, the one day where all this stuff is happening, the footage wasn't turned on, and you're just kind of like. Mm, and yet, know, this week like... we're looking at quite clear pictures of the next galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but and we still can't get a good picture of Bigfoot. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody help and me out. Exactly, and then when um I see proof, like there's been videos that I've watched, and I've just watched, and I've just been like okay i can't explain that like there's there's something not right there and mm. so like i am definitely 50 50 like if i have like i think for me if i have the evidence shown to me and if i have like good proof of it then i'm like okay that yeah that kind of creeps me out you know and like you know listening to some of the stories from the podcast i've just been like yeah i end up going down a rabbit hole looking it up myself and i'm like okay i don't know what to say to that i don't know what to actually think of it but then um, again, like I, I read a book recently that, that Chris recommended to me called The Haunting of Alma Fielding. And oh, that was a really okay. good book. About, it was dating back to the 30s, I think. Mm. And it was, um, it, it, was a, it was a haunting case from London. And it turned out to be a mega hoax. Oh. But, you know, going – but you only sort of – the scientists only decide that it's a, a, a huge hoax sort of, you know, two-thirds into the book. Whereas mm. before that you're like, oh, my God, that is unexplainable. And, you, you know, there's teacups <laughs> flying across the room yeah. and all sorts of crazy things. Um, Which yeah, haunting but was that? It's called The Haunting of Alma Fielding. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's known as the first – Haunting of Haunton Heath, um, oh, okay. Thornton Heath, which we did do the second haunting of Thornton yes, Heath, which yes. happened in the seventies. Mm. But there's, there's two. There's the one from the thirties and one from the seventies. Okay. And the one from the seventies was a, a, a haunted house of a family. For some reason, I'm thinking of the Conjuring Two. For some reason, the one in London, but I don't think I think that's a completely different story. But it was yeah. like um, I just remember because it was like two years ago that we did it, and mm. like the um, radio kept turning on. And it was like foreign stations and oh, stuff. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'm thinking of a completely different story actually. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes if you Google the haunting mm. of Thornton Heath, you'll get yeah. two different stories. Ah, okay, mm. cool. And um, but the '30s one was known as a hoax. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, so yeah, it can be very like. So for me, I'm very skeptic. Like because you know if there's questions like i said with someone saying oh my camera had to was turned off at that time or there was problems i'm like how convenient mm, yeah but then every other night it seems to be working <laughs> yeah. it's like oh my gosh shock horror <laughs> it's like did, did the the ghosts like uh, possess the camera as well <laughs> you know it's like i don't know that's but what they me, do Jaden. i know i'm sorry <laughs> um but yeah no but then I've had experiences myself where, like, I I think I've decided I'll share two stories. One is um, very intense, like a very intense one. And then second was kind of just the whole idea about how you can't predict nature and how scary it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so which one should would you like to – which one would you nature. like? Nature. Okay. All right. Um, so I think I was uh, – 17, 17 years old, and I was... So this one's a pretty quick, straightforward story. Like, I was um, in bed, um, just, uh, like, dazing off. You know when you're starting to fall asleep and you're just kind of, like, in that, like, you know, going in and out of, like, uh, sleeping and all that sort of thing? Was that night time? Yes. Yeah. And and it was, like, one of the times around... um, there was a big storm going over our heads and all that sort of thing. And then suddenly, I, I'm not kidding you whatsoever, my whole room just lights up. And this massive crash is just heard right outside my window because a huge lightning bolt had just smacked into the concrete. Oh. And it literally, but it, like, it was that bright. And that close, that whole, my whole room like lit up, and I was just like aliens. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was just like, "What the hell was that?" And I quickly looked outside because I, you know, how sometimes with that it can cause fires. Lightning can be so dangerous. Yeah. 
it, but luckily nothing did. But I was just like, where did that hit? Because it was like, it was that close to the point where my whole room just lit up. Like it was just like someone was like shining this bright torch or someone was shining their car light right through wow. my window. And I was just like, what the hell was that? Like, and it was just like this massive crash. Like, I don't know if you've heard what lightning sounds when it hits like something really hard. It's, it's scary. Like, cause it, it just sounded like this. Yeah. Just like this massive, uh, something just crashed into the fence or something. It was just... And how did you figure out that it hit the concrete? Was there a hole in the concrete? I couldn't find anything. Like, I I couldn't find any evidence of it um, hitting or anything like that. It was just... It was weird. Like, I'd never experienced anything. Like, I'd literally snapped out of my, you know, dozing in and out. It was just, like, quickly in, like, obviously, um, get ready mode for anything that could have just happened. And, yeah, I... I couldn't find anything like I don't know if it was like literally because um it was on the road obviously mm. in um on the road next to my house or if it was on the concrete path that was in the backyard no I couldn't find anything but yeah, yeah it but was it just, wasn't just like a regular lightning strike it was like mega lightning strike oh, it was massive like it yeah I can't begin to explain how loud it was it was deafening and wow. it was like like I said my whole room just lit up like someone just shined a torch my room it was scary <laughs> and it just I think that just scares me to the idea of like how scary nature is and just mm. like but then you think about like for example with um you know perfect examples possums the sound that they make at night like, oh yeah crazy and like, koalas oh yeah like if you like if you don't know the sound that a possum makes or like koalas make and you're just walking out in the middle of, of night and you just hear that sound. It's like, like a tiger. Oh, yeah. I think it's like a demon. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I remember walking to my car one night and I was, there was this bushland that was right next to my car. And I just hear that, like that demonic sound. And I'm just yeah. like, if I did not know that was a possum or a koala, I would be like, like f- if you were like a, oh my God. a visitor from Germany or something like that, you'd be like, <laughs> holy cow. It's like, there's, there's demons in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just thought to myself, imagine the worst, you know, the whole thing with drop bears, like with, yep. um, you play that trick on tourists. Just the next time just say, oh, did you, have you heard about the Australian demons? Mm. You know, they only come out at night and you better be concerned because as soon as you hear their sound they're gonna get you yeah <laughs> just yeah. like do this whole prank on him it'd be like, like so you gotta get some salt you gotta put it in your bra <laughs> but only on the left side and then some cloves of garlic you put those in your ear and you should be okay and then you do 10 hail marys and, and, and just the next thing you just see like them just going <laughs> like, oh right that's right i told you to do oh, that oh yeah it's the salt garlic and hail mary trick <laughs> oh gosh and, um but yeah just that that i think that story for me just scares me of how crazy nature is yeah just how like mm. you know when yeah it's just scary and um i guess so the second story is a bit more like i i don't really i think i don't know if it was a due to ptsd or something like that but it was just something that i it was just, yeah, I don't know. It was really interesting. But um, so to get into, to, to give it a backstory, um, when I was uh, 10 years old, um, my one of my close primary school friends uh, died of cancer um, mm. at a very young age. He was uh, nine years old, um, died at Christmas Eve. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, That's tragic. Yeah. <sighs> it was very... Um, yeah, it was a shock for a lot of people because, yeah. you know, it's just – I don't know if, like, for people who – when they have someone close to them dying of cancer, it is so quick. Like, it just mm-hmm. – within weeks. Oh, sometimes them, days. Or yeah. days. They just completely change and it's just – It w- fascinates it, me how quickly it works. Mm, it's really tragic. Yeah. And um, I think it was – I don't know how long after this, but – I remember I was in my room, I was sleeping, um, and then, I don't know, like, I just woke up just randomly, and um, I looked to, like, so, to give an idea, so my bed was up against the wall, then Mm -hmm. right in front of my bed, there was uh, three cupboards um, built into the room, 
And then I just remember looking to the right and saw this vague figure of um, of him. Wow. Just standing there. And um, I, I kind of remember, you know, like I said, I was half asleep and I was just like, I had this minor panic going like, wait, is that, you know, and all that sort of thing. And then suddenly I, um, you know, turned the light off, rubbed my eyes and, you know, obviously gone. But I just remember. Just, you turned the light on. Yeah. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turned the light on. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I just remember feeling quite sad actually. Cause I don't know like if that was a kind of like someone watching over me or something like uh, just, uh, yeah. If saying goodbye or something like that. and Yeah. Um, but there's no doubt in your mind that it was him. Yeah. No, I, unfortunately, you know, with people like, you know, that are close in your heart, you can like, um, I love the way that um, band that I follow, Escape the Fate, um, they do a song called Picture Perfect. And one of the lines is, you know, I could paint a picture perfect of you, even though you're gone. You know Mm. what I mean? Mm. And like, yeah, same thing. I can easily tell you even after 17 years, what he looks like and all that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I, I just remember thinking just, yeah, being sad. Did you happen. feel comforted in it in any way or did you feel scared? I think it was a little bit of a comfort, but then a little bit of uh, I was a little bit scared, but then I was like, when I realized, wait, was that, you know, like, mm. was that my friend that was there? And mm-hmm. I think it was a bit of a mixed reaction of kind of going, is he, you know, here to say that he's always going to be here or is it just, uh, um, <clears throat> is it just his last goodbye? Sorry. Um, I think he was checking in on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I and, think, I think they do that. My friend Hazel passed away very suddenly in 2018 and I talk to her all the time. Like, if I lose my keys, I'd say, Hazel, help me out. <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, I'll just be like, mm. wish you could see this. You probably, yeah. you know, can see this. I always think, like, things mm. about the pandemic. Oh, my God, what would she think about that? She'd have a <laughs> lot. She was very opinionated. <laughs> uh, she would have had a lot of opinions. But she also yeah. would have been making food baskets for everybody. Oh, <laughs> I always, um, I actually know what you mean with that. Like I, um, every time I go back home to um, Gippsland, I always uh, visit his grave every time. Mm. And I actually have had times where for 30 minutes or an hour, I just, in a way, I just catch up with Mm. him on things. Like just say, you know, I wish you could have seen this. Uh, I wonder what we would have been doing if like, you know, (laughs) if uh, you were still here and all that sort of thing. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's. I do find that a bit of a sense of comfort when you're just, you know, in a way talking to them. Yeah. Because it's just like you feel like you're having a conversation, and that that they're in in a way still there. You know. Yeah. It's um. But yeah, it was a really interesting experience, and I just remember that that always stays with me. Like that mm. just always stays, and it only happened once, so it was just a once off. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it so clearly. Like I just remember just remember it very well and it was um yeah it was just yeah one of the many um experiences that i've had with you know past people who've passed you know yeah away. and that's awesome so that for me was um probably yeah <laughs> you hear a lot about like people will see like their dad at the end of the bed that's passed away or their mm. sister or their twin or something like that and i do think it's just them just checking in yeah. And and I'll ask goodbye as well. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it means that they're gone forever. It just means that they're not stuck here. Exactly. So they just want to see you off before they obviously go to the next world. The better place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, yeah, <laughs> put a down on the... <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode's been a downer. Yeah. I'm sorry for, um, for sorry my story. For the <laughs> but no, it was a very fascinating story, actually. I, um, yeah, it just, my, it blows my mind just how, just like that story, just, yeah, wow. You definitely gave me a what the fuck episode. <laughs> I was trying to classify it as, I'm not really sure if it's a WTF or if it's um, just a, it's... 
It's I, weird because it's also not really a true crime, but it is at the same time. It yeah. was, I don't know. I, so that's why I just called it a tragedy story. Yeah. I, I would call it like a mixture of yeah, <coughs> tragedy as well as um, a WTF. Because I think as we were saying before, like it just seemed like there was no accountability taken. Right. You know, and, and you're it just was, like, what the fuck? Like, and the whole situation was so bizarre. It's so bloody bizarre because of the lack of accountability. Exactly. Oh, it infuriates me. Yeah, oh, I was it really getting, does. I, I don't know if you could see as well. Like I was at one point just going, no, I'm just I can't. And I'm like, oh no, like, wait, there's more. <laughs> and it's like that wasn't even the worst part. And then yeah. you kept going, that wasn't even the worst. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what else could yeah. be wrong? And then to be honest, every time it was like much, much worse. It was just, oh my gosh, it was. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming in. I hope you'll come in again at some point because oh. you're more than welcome. Oh, please do invite me. I, I Like I said, I was so – throughout the whole week, I was so excited to um, come onto this podcast. <laughs> I was like – I was actually sharing with a couple of people going, oh, my gosh, I'm actually – be on a podcast that I've been following for ages and so thank you so much and I would love to come back again. I'll give you some more weird facts that I come across. <laughs> I'll awesome. save them for this good podcast. Good one, good one. No, thank you very much. So until next time, you guys, uh, thanks for tuning in again. So until next time, you guys, be creepy. But don't be a creep. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> There's so many bloopers from this episode. And as we always say, stay creepy. But don't be a creep. I stuffed it up. Stay creepy. <laughs> we have to do it again. Okay. Did I get it wrong? Uh, no, you got it wrong. <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. <laughs>